Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Tonight, my guest is Micah Dane. Before I bring him on, I have to thank my Patriot Supply. They are, of course, the experts in emergency preparedness. With the unsure future that we face uh, economically and socially, an emergency food supply might not be a bad idea. Uh, right now, you can get $70 off a two-week supply and $100 off a four-week of their food. It stays good in storage up to 25 years. It tastes great. Just click the link in the description or visit preparewithfkn.com right now to get your emergency food supply. And also, please subscribe to Forbidden Knowledge News on lbry.com. That is our official backup channel just in case YouTube decides to give us the boot and we are always on all of your popular podcast platforms. Tonight, my guest is Micah Dane. From a young age, he wanted to be a writer, coming from a family of writers. His father was a producer and radio news editor at CBS News in Manhattan, and his grandfather was also a producer at CBS News. Micah was an actor in high school and became interested in writing from his 12th grade English teacher, Russell Reed. From there, he majored in and earned a bachelor's degree in language literature and criticism. It wasn't until he moved to Boston for a new job that he became interested in all the esoteric sciences, including astrology and astrotheology, prevalent through his book series, Into the Rabbit Hole. Micah, welcome. How are you doing tonight? How's it going? It's going very well, and thank you so much for coming on. Now, uh, like I was telling you earlier, I am by far no Bible scholar. I've read it, and I've done a couple of shows about astrology. Uh, the topics we're going to cover tonight include astrotheology and decoding the Bible. So I'm going to be learning a lot here myself. Uh, there's many different interpretations of the Bible, as well as older texts, and uh, these interpretations have shaped society, caused wars, continue to divide humans, and continue to shape society in ways today. Uh, and there's so much to get to based on your series Into the Rabbit Hole, uh, but I, you know, it's, it's, I know we're going to have to probably do more than one show to cover all the material, but let's start with what got you looking into this, because it's very recent that you started looking into this. So, in about uh, seven, eight years ago, 2013, I moved to Boston with an ex who I'm no longer with. And uh, we got a new job. And uh, I started watching YouTube videos because I really didn't have any my many friends in the area. You know, we were new to the area. And um, I started getting into um, two people called Jordan Maxwell and Santos Bonacci. Are you familiar with them? I sat down with Jordan at the uh, law conference earliest, earlier this year and got to uh, talk with him. That was a great honor. Oh, he's, he's, he, he's amazing. He made this video that I came across where he said that the disciples are talking to Jesus about where to meet them for Passover. And he says, go into town and you'll see a man with a water pitcher. Follow him into his house, and that's where we'll have it. And then he made the case that the man with the water pitcher was Aquarius, and they were in the age of Pisces, and they were soon to be in the age of Aquarius, so to meet in the age of Aquarius. 
I thought that was fascinating. Then I saw, I came across one of my friends, Charles, sent me a video on Santos Bonacci. And I was blown away because I've been searching for, I was raised in a religious household and I was searching for answers to make the Bible make sense because the stories didn't make sense to me. And I was searching for any kind of answers, really. And then I came across astrology. And I was like, this makes so much sense to me. I have to get involved. So I learned as much as I could. And then what happened was after about like a year or two of just deeply studying this and watching all these videos, I was able to see connections on my own. And I started making connections on my own. So at that point, I decided I have to write something. And I wanted to write a nonfiction book about it. But then I thought it'd be hard to promote it. And then I thought, this is like, a lot of the stuff I talk about is forbidden knowledge. And the truth of the matter is, is that it would be easier and it could slip through the censors if I write fiction books. Right. So that's how I took it. So I wrote a six book series. Well, originally I wrote one book and I showed it to my friends, Will and John. And I said, what do you guys think? And they said, I've never read anything like this before, just with the conspiracies and the hidden knowledge, the Bible decoding it and the characters, the humor in it. And just the storyline. And they were like, you have to make a series out of it. So one turned into three. And then I, uh, I, I, I looked for an agent, a book agent. Because you can't get anything done without a book agent. So I got, well, that's not true. You can self-publish. You could do things. But if you want to deal with the publisher, you need an agent. So I got an agent after about a year and a half of, of querying them. And then it took me another two, three years to land a book deal. And when this book company, speaking volumes that I have the book deal with, um, when, they, when they basically read the first book or they saw the first thing, uh, I went from a three-book deal to a six-book deal. Now, all six of my books are written, and I'm going to probably continue the series with the seventh, but my first two books are actually out. It's called Into the Rabbit Hole. The first one is Beneath the Veil. The second one is The Sacred Stones which talk about the missing capstones of the pyramids. And I, um, the third one's coming out December 15th. They're all written and they're coming out every three months. So in about a year and a half, I'm going to have my whole series out there. That's amazing. That's awesome how you got that whole book uh, deal to come out of uh, what you've been working on and it's been such a short amount of time. Um, Thank you. I think a good place to start, though, is uh, for those of my audience that aren't really familiar with Asher theology, and why would it be encoded into the Bible? Um, could you kind of break that down a little bit and explain uh, to the audience kind of the basics? Sure. So basically, the, the plot of Let's start like this. The Greeks and the Romans, they had stories about all these planets, Jupiter, Mars, the gods of war, the gods, right? They had their own stories about the planets and the stars and the battles and the lives they had and what they did, right? So this is basically just like a continuation of that. Um, this is just placed in the Bible. And the Bible, from my point of view, is a hidden astrology book. And I'm going to give you guys the tools to decode it a little bit. I'm going to, basically, I'm summing up seven years of knowledge into 90 minutes. And I'm going to give you guys some tools so that you can start seeing it for yourselves. Sounds good. 
So some questions like how was Jesus able to heal the blind? How did he walk on water? How did he turn water into wine? Why he had 12 disciples? Why he was betrayed with a kiss by Judas? Why he was dead for three days? Why his birthday is on December 25th? How he fed the masses with two fish? This is all astrology. And we're going to go through it. Now, I, I want to I, I ask you before you get too far. This is, from, this is all from New Testament. Uh, is there the same type of astrology encoded into the Old Testament as well? Yes. I'm going to get to some of the Old Testament, and I'm going to get to the Book of Job, too. And you're familiar with the, the 12 signs of the Zodiac, right? Even, though, yes. even if you don't know them. Okay, good. Yes. So basically what I'd like to do is I'd like to go through the 12 signs and just give you a little explanation of what we're looking for, okay? Sure. All right. So the first sign is Aquarius, which is represented by the man with the water pitcher, as I mentioned before. Okay? So basically this goes back to Zeus. Okay? Zeus was – the story of Aquarius goes like this. Zeus was looking on earth and he saw a young boy about 14 years old or so um, that he wanted for himself. The boy wanted no part of him. So Zeus ended up having to talk to his father and ended up giving him a bunch of animals and stuff so that he could take his son up because the, the man didn't want to anger the gods, but he got something out of it also. So this boy is up there and he's serving them and he's, he's doing whatever the Greeks used, the gods used to do. And he's serving them. You're familiar with ambrosia? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So he's, so the boy's serving them ambrosia out of a pitcher or Zeus out of that. The boy gets mad one time. He's just fed up with being up there. So he pours the ambrosia over the side of heaven where, where the gods were. And it causes a flood. That's where the Greeks get their flood story from. And what happened was it caused the flood and Zeus is furious. So what happens is he thinks about it for a while. And instead of punishing the boy, he decides to immortalize him as the constellation Aquarius, the man with the water pitcher. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So that's Aquarius. Now Pisces is the sign of two fish. Okay. Aries is the ram. In Aries, you have in the, in the um, in the sign of Aries, you have March twenty first, which is the spring equinox. It's twelve hour days and twelve hour nights. It's also the Passover, or the passing over of the sun over the equator. Okay, on its way to its height to the summer solstice, which is June twenty first, the hottest day of the year. In Christianity, it changes. It's no longer the Passover, but it's the resurrection of God's son. S-U-N, not S-O-N. See, all this is basically saying that Jesus is the son of God. S-U-N of God, not S-O-N of God. And the Bible is based, or the New Testament is basically Jesus as the son going through the 12 signs of the Zodiac. I will go through that. Don't worry. But the ram, Aries the ram, it's why the Jews blow the ram's horn. It's because they're the people of Aries. It's also why they smear the lamb's blood on the door so that um, the Egyptians wouldn't, wouldn't kill them to be protected by God. 
So when you hear about like ram, lamb, or sheep, they're talking about Aries. Taurus is the next sign, which is the bull. Now you have to remember, back in the day, they didn't have clocks, watches, iPhones, computers. They didn't even have calendars. They had like sundials and they could look at the stars. They needed to know when agricultural season was. They needed to know when um, winter was coming. That's a big thing. So they would look at the stars to tell them. So when you look at the stars and you see Taurus, the bull, you know that you have to put the plow on the bull and you have to plant the seeds so that you can harvest them in Virgo and Libra, which I'll get back to that shortly. So Gemini is the twins. That's Castor and Pollux Troy, whose sister was Helen of Troy. You're familiar with the story of Achilles? Yes. Right. So nothing significantly happens here, but whenever they mention like brothers or twins, which they do in the Bible, they're talking about Gemini. Now Cancer, it's the next sign, is the crab. It's the sideways moving creature, how the crab moves to the side. Yes. It's exactly what it's exactly what the sun does. On June twenty first, basically here's what happens. The sun rises a degree on its axis every single day. Okay? And then when it hits June twenty first, it stops at that height for three days. And then on June twenty fifth, it goes down a degree until it hits December 21st, the solstice, and then it stops for three days, okay? Which is why Jesus was dead for three days. And then he rises again December 25th on his birthday because on December 25th, the sun rises another degree and then it just continues this cycle. So cancer is the crab. It moves sideways just like the sun moves sideways then. In ancient times, the, uh, the, the, the crab, it was actually known as the scarab, the beetle, right? right? In the Egyptian times. So, I mean, you even get the word crab from the word scarab. But, uh, and then you have Leo, who's the king of the jungle. The ruling planet of Leo is actually the sun. So that's when it's, it's in heaven. That's when the sun is in its glory. Now, Virgo is the woman holding the wheat stalk. You remember before we were saying that you plant in Taurus and uh, you need to harvest in Virgo? Yes, yes. Virgo is, a, Virgo is the virgin. That's why Jesus is born from a virgin. She's the only woman sign. The other thing, too, is she's holding a wheat stalk. Because when it was Virgo, you go out and look at Virgo. You go outside, you look in the stars, you see Virgo. And then the virgins would come out and cultivate the wheat to make the bread. In Libra is the justice, the scales, the balance. The reason it's the scales is because it judges God's son as it passes over the fall equinox and begins its descent into winter, into cold, into death. The death is December 21st, the lowest day of the year, the coldest day of the year, in the Northern Hemisphere, that is. And it's dead for three days. So Libra is also wine season. You ever been to a vineyard? In, 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 have you ever been to a vineyard? Yes, I've been to a vineyard, yes. Okay, so you'll know. You see all these pictures of girls on Facebook and Instagram like posting pictures of them at a vineyard. I'm from Long Island, so I see them all the time. They're out. They go out to the vineyards out east. And the thing is, is that um, in, if you look at the pictures when they post, which, is, which tends to be in the spring and early summer, um, it's bare. 
you, you can see the trees, but they're bare. Um, wine season, you ask a Greek, you ask an Italian, it's in Libra. It's in September, October. That's the wine season. So you get the bread in and um, you get the bread in Virgo, and you get the wine in Libra, the bread and the wine, the two symbols of Christianity. Okay? So Scorpio is the scorpion. Now, you need a little bit of, I guess, I don't know if the word is faith, but when you go out and you look at the stars, you might not recognize a virgin or this or that, right? But right. the Scorpio actually looks like a scorpion. And he's the betrayer. When a scorpion bites you, it leaves an imprint in your hand, in your skin, I should say, that looks like two lips. That's where the mafia gets the phrase, the kiss of death from. And it's also why Jesus was betrayed by Judas with a kiss. Okay? Because metaphorically, Judas is Scorpio, and Jesus is the son. The son is judged in Libra and betrayed in Scorpio. And you have Sagittarius, which is where the bow and it's the bow and the arrow, the guy on the horse with the bow and the arrow, the bow and the arrow inflict further pain on the sun. In the Bible, it's translated as a spear. It's spear goes to the sun, to the side of uh, Jesus. And Sagittarius contains December 21st. So Capricorn, finally, you've seen a picture of the Zodiac wheel, right? Yes, yes, I have. Okay, so the goat is Capricorn. And at the, bottom of, at the bottom of the Zodiac wheel is Capricorn. The top is Cancer, which makes sense. Because if you imagine, imagine, the, imagine the sun, imagine like a dot traveling across the wheel, okay? It rises a degree every day on its axis, stops for three days, June 21st, and then starts to go down then stops for three days, December 21st, and then starts to go up. The reason the, it's the goat is because it likes to climb the mountain. The mountain begins in Capricorn at the bottom. Okay? So, you, so those are the 12 signs. Okay. So now, let's, let's start with some basic double-encoded messages in the Bible. So have you heard the phrase, pride comes before the fall? Yes. Okay, what, if I'm going to ask you what you think that means, what would you say? Hmm. I would say that you're, uh, if you're going to make a decision and uh, you, your pride comes before uh, any other, I guess, reason for your decision, that would be the precursor to your fall? That's what people usually say when I ask them. Okay, but you ready for this other meaning? Sure. What do you call a group of lions? Pride. And what sign is a lion? The, the Leo. That is July and August. That is right before the fall. I see. Okay. So it's these kind of double meanings that we're going to look at. Now that I've explained the 12 signs and what you need to know I explained to you what you need to know from them. It's basic, but it'll help you get through this. <clears throat> I'll give you another example. In my namesake, the book of Micah, the prophet Micah predicts that the Savior 
that Jesus, the Savior, is going to come from a specific town in Israel. Do you remember what town that was? That was uh, Bethlehem. Perfect. Okay. Now here's the thing. Our universe is incredible, surrounded by mystery and beauty, and many of us have questions about our past, present, and future. October Hallam is an intuitive medium with over 20 years of experience. She has assisted people with discovering their path by understanding their past and connected the living to their loved ones who have made the transition. She is currently offering readings through Skype, Zoom, FaceTime, phone, and in person. You can reach her at theancientgift222 at gmail.com. Bethlehem is a combination of two words in Hebrew. It's bet, which means house, and lechem, which means bread. So it's house of bread. Okay. Vir- Virgo with the, the virgin with the wheat stalk, the bread. Right. It's the house of bread. Okay, so he's coming from Bethlehem, the house of bread. The house of bread is Virgo. So the Savior will come from a virgin. You see that? Right. Okay. So it's this kind of stuff that we're going to get into and we're going to start talking about. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that the first two make sense to you. Yeah, oh, they, it does. And I'm, my question is, you know, if, if the Bible is basically a, a tool for, for astrology and much of the stories uh, come from even older texts, uh, Egyptian, Babylonian, uh, and right. it's branded as a religion that's, you know, caused such wars and division and spiritual confusion, um, you know, why do you think that that has has be- that it's become that way, um, that they use it as this kind of tool to enslave, basically. So just to be sure, your question is, why do they continue to push this as a literal book instead of reading the metaphoricals? Yes. Uh, because it's control. It's population control. It's, uh, it, it wages wars. It, it, it makes money for people. It keeps people's knowledge down you're talking about things like the pineal gland and just um joseph in the bible says i spoke i saw god and he called the place peniel p-e-n-i-e-l over time that became pineal because he had an explosion of dmt in his brain and then boom he was able to speak to god they talk about it in uh they talk about it in uh, the story of Exodus, where they're in the desert and they can't eat. And then something comes from the sky, and they call it manna. Man in Hebrew, and you can look this up at the HebrewAcademy.com. Man in Hebrew means, what's this? What is it? And it, what, the way they described it, it was a small, round thing. You did it, you talk to God. You're talking about hallucinogenic mushrooms. Like, there's levels to this that they don't want you to know. Because it keeps people in line, and a lot of people don't seek out this 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 knowledge behind it. And you know, it kind of makes sense when you're talking about the the, the whole mushroom thing. I don't want to steer off onto too much of a tangent, but uh, it it seems at some point humans, according to mainstream history, had a a huge leap uh, when it comes to their mental capacity, even genetics, you know, started farming and using mathematics at some point. Um, Do you think that 
humanity, you know, advanced on its own or was there some kind of uh, intervention possibly having to do with these, these mushrooms that are, are these uh, hallucinogenics or was there always just uh, some form of advanced humans uh, that are much older than we could imagine? Well, it's a combination of things. You got to understand is that I think that human beings were tinkered with. If you look at the human DNA uh, sequence, you look at chromosome two. The second chromosome is 35% larger than the rest. And when you look at it under an electron microscope, you can see that it's clearly fused together. Okay, so there has been DNA tinkering. You've heard of the 12 strand theory? Yes. Yeah, we're going to activate another DNA strand and we're going to raise our consciousness, the age of Aquarius, that whole thing. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, um, it's a combination. Hallucinogens are, the problem with them is not that they make you go crazy. The problem with with them is that it resets your brain so that you can no longer accept dogma because you've seen things that you can't explain. And they're so crucial to our development and to our evolution. Okay, well, I didn't mean to interrupt uh, your flow there where you, uh, where you were Not at all. in your uh, so, presentation. L- l- let's go into something else. So you're, you're familiar with all the – I'm going to go through the nicknames or the names for Jesus within the Bible. And I'm going to okay. show you how they're just referring to the Zodiac, okay? okay? He's known as the scapegoat of Israel. I'm just going to go sign by sign. Not all of them, but I'll just show you enough. He's called the scapegoat of Israel. That's the goat in Capricorn, okay? He's the son of man. The man sign is Aquarius. Okay, still with me? Yep. He's the fisherman of men. That's Pisces, the two fish. It's also why the son of God could feed the masses with the two fish. At one point, Jesus has a couple loaves of bread and he has two fish and he feeds everyone. Well, the two fish are Pisces. He's known as the lamb of God or the ram in Aries. He's called the strong bull or the bull in Taurus. Remember how I told you he was, uh, the crab used to be the beetle, the scarab. Yes. St. Augustine called him my own good beetle. He's also, in Leo, the lion, he's known as the Lion of Judah. The lady holding the wheat stalk, Virgo, he's born of a virgin. He's also called, again, the wheat stalk. He's called the bread of life. In Libra, the scales of justice, he's known as the just one. He's betrayed in Scorpio by the kiss. He dies in Sagittarius. And it's also why he's worshipped on the sun day. See, the Jews, the, the, the Jewish, uh, the Old Testament goes back to Saturn worship. That's why they worship on the Saturn day or the Saturday. But the Christians, because he's the sun and it's sun worship, he's worshiped on the sun day. You see how that works? I see. Okay. So that's where we start to get into uh, many of the differences between the Old and New Testament um, mm-hmm. astrotheology is the Saturn worship. Right. So there was something you're familiar with. Um, you're familiar with the Council of Nicaea, right? Yes. Yes. Three twenty-five. Constantine baptized on his deathbed. Well, actually, yes. there's some there's some uh, 
issues with whether he was baptized on his deathbed or whether he made Christianity his own on purpose. But basically, that was the year 325. That was the year they decided Christianity. And Christianity, the way that you know it now, as a literal belief system, was made. Prior to 325, this is the original Christians, they were known as Heliognostics, which is knowers of the sun, if you break that word down. Yes. They were sun worshippers. In fact, Constantine's own nephew, Julian the Apostate, in the year, I don't remember the year, but he tried to bring them back to sun worship. He ended up dying in a battlefield for what we call friendly fire. He was shot in the back with an arrow. Um, Whether it was on purpose or not, no one knows, but his own nephew, they knew this. Now rewind the clocks back about 225 years to 100 AD. They had something called the Senate at Jamnia, or the Council at Jamnia. And this was done in Israel. And what it was, was by the year 100 AD, the Old Testament had not been canonized yet. Okay, so basically, all the books were not in order. Um, they, they, it was not official for the Old Testament. Now, 30 years prior to that, one of the Gospels, Mark. Mark okay. is the oldest one by 20, 30 years. So, yeah. I think. I'm pretty sure. Mark comes out 70 AD. Now, this Jewish council is trying to decide whether or not to include the book of Mark into the Old Testament. Could you imagine if there was no split between the Old Testament and the New Testament and it just continued as one testament, how different the world would look? I also had, uh, you know, when, when you look back at the, the Old Testament and the difference between the, you know, Yahweh God character and the, the, the God of the New Testament, how uh, it seemed much more uh, different, much more uh, vengeance, a more malevolent type of, of God than we see in the New Testament. Uh, what do you attribute that to? Um, so it had to be done that way. Because nobody would believe a, it had to bring peace on earth. It basically, if you're writing the Bible and you have hundreds of writers over thousands of years that are writing these deeply encoded books, but that also, like, you can read the Bible as from start to finish as a literal translation, and then you can read it as a metaphysical translation. Um, which is incredibly hard to write. It's insane. It's, it's crazy how developed these writers were. Um, but basically, you had to rectify the Old Testament. There had to be a reckoning. There had to be um, a saving of these people. It's basically like continuing a story. You know, you have to tie up the loose ends, so to speak. It's very fascinating. And uh, even when you look at back at the older texts, uh, where you can you know, tie some of these gods to, to planets and planetary energies. And it seemed that it was much more um, obvious that ash- astrology was tied to some of these older beliefs. And now it's just, you know, completely fr- flipped around into a different type of beliefs, belief system. It's very interesting. All right. Well, let me, sh- let me give you this. During the, during the Egyptian times, they were in the age of Taurus. You could look at the hieroglyphs. You'll see a ton of bulls with the sun between their horns. That's what they're telling you. The sun was in Taurus. 
the Egyptians were the main people. Then they start to dwindle down and die down. And the Jewish people become prevalent during Aries. That's why they blow the ram's horn to the sky. Because they're signifying the ram. Um, Moses comes down from the mountain, right? And he has two tablets. And they're worshipping a golden calf. Right. So the idea, the idea behind the golden calf is this. One of two things happened. Either these nomads, these Jewish poor nomads that just escaped Egypt, had an abundance of gold with them, found welding equipment, and put together a giant golden calf, okay, and prayed to it. Moses sees this, and he throws the tablets down, the Ten Commandments. And that's where you get the phrase breaking the law from, because he he's the first lawbreaker. And... Um, instead of seeing them worshiping a golden calf, what if they were worshiping the sun in Taurus? The calf is the bull. The sun is golden. They were worshiping the wrong time period. So after the Jews in Aries, they start to dwindle down, and then Christianity takes over in Pisces. You know, the Christians that have the Jesus fish on it, that's Pisces. That's what they're doing. Right. Um, Christianity of Pisces. Now we're in the age of Aquarius. Okay. And we've been there since, you know, the Mayan calendar, December 21st, 2012. Everyone said it was going to be the end of the world. Yes. Yeah. No, it was the end of Pisces. It was the end of an eon. They call it eons in the Bible. It was the end of an eon and the start of a new one. We're in the age of Aquarius now. And um, if you follow the trail, there looks to be a new religion coming out because there's one that comes out every single, there's like a new holy book and then there's a new religion. Right. Does that make sense? It does. And uh, you can see how uh, throughout our history that uh, it's kind of shifted as far as religions go from, you know, the pagan to the Christianity to, it seems like we're going to this more of uh, technological worship even yes, uh, that's nowadays. That's exactly where I'm going with because it would be hard nowadays with how we're so interconnected and everyone's talking at each other and the news travels immediately. It would be hard to right. start and pillage for a new religion. Right. So I do believe that the new religion is going to be technology merging with technology yeah it definitely does appear to be uh going that way and it is also fascinating how uh astrology definitely appears to be able to tell um the story of history even before it happens as it happens um it it, it links to everything it seems like the energies from um the planets and the cosmos can actually uh, be linked to any event that occurs on our planet, uh, as well as numerology. I've seen some fascinating things that you can link together with numerology as well. Right. Well, I'll give it to you this one. Astrology is the oldest religion on the planet, bar none. Are you familiar with the Lascaux Caves? I have heard of the Lascaux Caves. I'm not really... Sure about they what... found these caves in, in, in the mountains in France. Okay? They found these caves where they went in there and then they, um, they found all these etchings of bulls, of rams, of, of fish and all this. And they didn't know what to make of it. 
They just thought it was early. 40,000 years ago. That's how long ago this was. Okay. You familiar with the Emerald Tablets of Toth? Yes. That's 28,000 years ago. We're talking 40,000 years ago. And what they found was they've done computer simulation since then because now we have the technology for what I'm about to tell you that we do. What they did was they rewound the clock back um, as long as the carbon dating was. I think it was like 38.5 or 40,000 years, something to that effect. And what they found was when they printed it out, they were able to superimpose the sky from what it was back then because the computer simulated it. And they placed it on the Lascaux Caves and they found that it matched up perfectly. Wow, that's very cool. Right. And you're familiar with Gobeki Tepe, right? Yes. Gobeki Tepe? Yeah. Same thing. They found it in Turkey. It's 11,500 years old. They found a section of it that they used for stargazing, for astronomy, for astrology. They found a section of that. That's now, mind you, these texts now, you know, the, <clears throat> the religious texts only say they're about 6,000 years old. This is nearly 12,000 years ago. And also, have you heard of the Antikythera mechanism? No, what is that? It's a thing that they found in a Greek ship that had sunk. And it was, they couldn't figure out what it was. And it turned out to be a, a very evolved computer that used to track the stars and the sky for ship navigation. So they had that. It goes, it's even crazier. There's a, okay, so the Sphinx, for example. Um, the Sphinx is interesting because you look at the back of the Sphinx and it has water erosion on it. Okay, because you can tell the difference between sand erosion and water erosion, right? Right. Yeah, definitely. Right. You should be able to do that. So basically what they found was there had to have been water erosion. And the last time there was water in that area was 12,500 years ago during the last ice age when it was melting and just water poured. Okay. Now, the interesting thing too about that is that if you look at the Sphinx, which is a Leo, which is a lion, 12,500 years ago, when I'm suggesting and other people are suggesting that the Sphinx was made, if you look at the Sphinx where it's faced, it's facing the age of Leo. 12,500 years ago was the age of Leo. Okay, we're in Aquarius, that was Leo. But the Sphinx was facing the constellation Leo. They did this on purpose. Astrology was everywhere. That's amazing. Now, a big uh, part of your Into the Rabbit Hole series, you mentioned the pyramid capstones and some of the mysteries right. surrounding that. Could you please talk about, uh, about that a little bit? Okay, so without giving away my story, because again, remember, I wrote fiction, so I took some fictional liberties with it. Right. Right, okay. So without giving away anything, Matt, what I can tell you is, is that the, the capstones of the pyramids were energy portals. They were energy portals. Um, they had technology back then that you couldn't even begin to understand. But we are, we're barely starting to figure out right now. Did you know the tuning fork was only a couple hundred years old, but there's hieroglyphs 
uh, and, and there's pictures and carvings of them with tuning forks. And the interesting thing about a tuning fork is that if you get the right size tuning fork and you get the right base and the right um, legs to it, and you put it on a limestone, and it the, when you smack the tuning fork, if you have the right tuning fork, and it's a it's got to be a big tuning fork too, by the way, but they can create them that it matches the vibration of the limestone, and then what it does is it just cuts through it like butter. So you've seen those round, perfect holes, and they're like, how the hell did they do that? Right. Yeah, that's what they did. It's called acoustic tunneling. So they had that. They also had what's called acoustic levitation, which you can Google. They're literally starting to figure out how to do it right now. There's You Google acoustic levitation rock on YouTube. I know YouTube is down right now, but if you YouTube it, you'll see sound waves just pick a rock up. And they used to throw these things like Tinker Toys. That's what made the pyramids. They were able to acoustically levitate it like it was nothing. They manipulated the gravity. It was insane. At, yeah, when you look at some of those ancient advanced technologies that could have been possible, and if they are, you know, somehow intertwined into and encoded into some of these old texts that they eventually became the Bible, of course they wouldn't want us to know about some of these things because it would change the whole, you know, modern medical exactly. industry, energy, uh, the whole world would be changed <laughs> for better because uh, we would have the knowledge that these ancients used to have. I mean, we used to be highly advanced and then there's no telling how old uh these highly advanced technologies could have been i mean when you look at some of the discoveries from michael cremo skeletons uh you know that have been under you know millions of years uh human skeletons full modern human skeletons that have been found that are millions right. of years old i mean you know we we don't know how far back and how advanced we could have possibly been no, we have no clue. And and the idea behind uh, religious texts to be taken literally is just to keep you dumb, I believe. Um, there's all this beautiful esoteric science in here. And this is how you activate your pineal gland. And this is how you get to see God. And instead, you're fighting. The three major religions are fighting with each other about it's not even about whose God is wrong because they all believe in the same God. They don't believe in the same messenger. Yeah, and it, it was yeah. all, I believe it all was, was a form of science that, you know, eventually became magical practices that eventually became evil and then, you know, hidden amongst only the, the most elite secret societies. And it's just you know, technology and science that we just haven't understood yet, but we're getting there again. Right. Like you're familiar with like string theory and M theory, right? Yes. Okay. So, okay. So the smallest, tiny strings that vibrate and how they vibrate constituates what, what it's going to be, look, smell, feel, tape, you know, the whole thing. Um, but if you read the quantum hermetica or you look at Hermes original principles, his third principle is the principle of vibration. He says, everything moves, nothing is stationary, everything vibrates. So quantum th theory right now, as far as it goes, is only now rediscovering a hermetic principle from thousands and thousands of years ago. Now, 
do you think that we discovered this knowledge on our own or do you think that there was interventions uh some believe spiritual interventions, some believe uh, extraterrestrial interventions to kind of help guide us along the way. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Obviously, I can't prove it one way or another, but I can tell you this much is that, I mean, I'm just going through astrology and it's like the constant theme through everything 40,000, 50,000 years ago. They knew the same signs. How did they know the same signs? How did they know that that was important? How did they know what the signs looked like? How, did, how, how could you tell the two fish? Like, like Gemini, the twins look like twins. Scorpio looks like Scorpio. Leo kind of looks like Leo. But how could you tell other signs what they looked like, you know? And then how could that translate? Of course we were told this information. We were brought this down. We were brought down this information. I don't know from where, I don't know from whom, but at some point people found out this is the most important thing you need to know. And that has permeated throughout societies and it's even made it to the basis of our texts. I'll give you another example of it. Okay. Two examples, I should say. So Neil deGrasse Tyson, okay. Who's one of the stalwarts. Um, said that nothing special happens on New Year's Eve. But, which makes sense, I guess, because if you think about it, New Year's Eve should be on either a solstice or an equinox like it is for the other religions, right? So why is it December 31st? You look into the sky, you come outside at midnight to like bang pots or have a cigarette or whatever, and you look into the sky straight up as high as you can look, and there's Sirius, our dog star, at its highest point and then straight down you follow a line and it's you on earth and it's earth and then straight down you follow another line and it's the sun and it works that way for anyone all over the globe so basically that's the only time that aligns and that's why they're doing the the ball drop thing exactly it's 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 all there you just have to know what you're looking at you see what i'm saying i'll give you another example I'll give you another example. So, you know, Lucifer, right? Yes. So the Bible tells you Lucifer is evil, this and that, you know, or whatever. Um, He's known as the morning star. Do you know who the morning star is? The Venus. Exactly. But do you know what Venus is? Uh, Aside from a planet in our solar system, the... uh, No, I should have rephrased that a little bit better. Venus is the planet that announces the arrival of God's son. Okay. Okay. Cause what happens is, you know, like that part in the, in the morning, like when the sun's not up, so you can't see it, but like it's light is projecting. So you can kind of see some stuff in the, in the horizon. Yes. Okay. So when you're at that stage of the, of the, of the morning and you look straight out into the sky, you'll see a bright light, a beaming bright light. And that's Venus. Venus is there every day to announce it. Okay, Lucifer has his pentagram, okay? And the pentagram, which is funny, is because if you take Venus and you take Earth and you follow them around the sun together for one full year, they come close to touching five times out of that year, okay? That five times they touch, if you cross through them, you get a pentagram. That's, that's Lucifer's pentagram, is it's just Venus, 
Okay. He's also known as the light bearer. He's right there in Genesis 1. Lucifer doesn't, isn't talked about in the Bible, but Lucifer in Genesis, he's right there. God says, let there be light. But Lucifer is the light bearer. How are you going to have light without the light bearer? Right. So he's teased, at the, he's teased right at the beginning of Genesis. He's also known as the bright morning star. But at the end of the book of John, I think it's John twenty-two sixteen, Jesus says, I am the bright morning star. Jesus, Lucifer is the morning star. It's all solar worship. You see what I'm saying? It's, it's, all, it's all hidden information. So, you know, if, if this is, um, you know, just hidden information about, you know, the nature of reality and our, our, our star systems and astrology, uh, what are your thoughts on these uh, secret societies and so-called satanic societies that are, um, you know, basically using um, some of these old ancient practices uh, as a modern, I guess, um, opposite way of, of uh, inverting religion to like Satanism as an example. Um, how does that play into all this? So in my sixth book, I deconstruct Satanism and Luciferianism. It's not what people think it is or what you would everyday people would think it is. It's not, it's been perverted. The ruling class, the elites, they do satanic rituals. Yes. They pray to Satan, but the origin of this story you ever see pictures of uh, Baphomet or, yes. any, or, or Jesus or anybody with the two fingers held up? Yes. Do you know what that is? Go ahead and tell us. What do... That's an ancient Kemetic. And Kemetic comes from Kemet, which is Egyptian. It's an ancient Kemet peace sign. Okay. You know the fingers, John Lennon, the, the, the two right. fingers peace signs separated? Yes. Okay. That's actually a British war sign. Okay, so what they do is they take something and they switch it and they pervert it. You want to know where the swastika comes from? Isn't that uh, a symbol for the sun? No, it's actually, it's the Big Dipper. It's the Big Dipper as shown at all four nodule points, the solstices and the equinox. If you, if you club them together for how they look, it's, that's what it looks like. I mean, like, for instance, the Pope's mitre that he wears, you know, that, that, that headdress? Yes. That comes from Mithra. Mitre comes from Mithra, which comes from Dagon, which were fish gods, competing religions at the time, or a little bit before, I should say. The mitre, if you take it off the Pope's head and you turn it sideways, looks like a fish's head. Because it was Pisces worship. It was fish god worship. See, everything is borrowed. Everything is astrology and everything is borrowed. Now, you mentioned earlier that we are headed into this age of Aquarius. Um, and when you look back at all the different ages that were associated with the Zodiac, um, it's very compelling to uh, see the, you know, the way the society was, uh, you know, the rise and falls of civilizations along the ages. Uh, and it seems that we are a at a very critical point right now 
for what direction society could go. Um, according to, you know, the age of Aquarius and where we're going, um, what do you see as far as, you know, on an astrotheological level, wh where we're headed? Unless we can get this information back out, most people are most people are so indebted into their belief systems that they're not willing to seek out the wisdom outside of it. Now, I'm not trying to convert anybody, okay? If you're a Christian and, and, and you're happy with your belief, that's fine. The people I speak to are people who don't know what to believe and are looking for something that makes sense. I'm just telling them what made sense to me. That's all I'm doing. But as far as what's going to happen, you have to get the information out there. You have to spread it like wildfire. And the truth of the matter is, is that what can you really do? Like you could see a breakdown of civilization in the United States right now between, and I don't want to go into politics because I don't talk politics, right. between what's going on with that right now, between the coronavirus, between technology, between being censored. You could see all these cogs moving, you know, but the truth of the matter is, is that the elites know that they can't win. They can't win this. They're destined to fail, and that's why they're getting desperate. Now, say people, you know, that start to see through this, and then they want to learn more about the, the real meaning behind the Bible and these older texts and astrology. Um, what's the first thing that they, they should start looking at it, and how, you know, if we integrate this into our everyday lives, what, do you, what would you say some of the, uh, the benefits that we could see? To me, knowing that, or to me, believing that the Bible is a encoded astrology book and discovering new ways of it just teaches me more about the seasons. It teaches me more about everything. It teaches me how to be a better writer because they basically wrote a story within a story. You know, that, and, and these metaphors are deep that you have to unpack. I'm going to go through one real quick with you in a little bit. But basically, I would say get my books. You can Google me. You know, I have other lectures that I've done. Just Google me. Look up Jordan Maxwell. Look up Santos Bonacci. You know, read my books. My books are entertaining too, but there's a lot of information. I don't just talk about astrology in my books. I talk about information that's suppressed from people that you're not supposed to know. And uh, I would suggest to start with that. Now, if we could, um, I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the possible other ancient technologies that were being used and integrated um, you know during these times possibly pre-flood where we could have had extremely advanced civilizations you talked about how uh, you know frequency and sound was was really um, used to to move massive objects that we had these amazing boring tools uh what else do you think that we were looking at as far as it comes to advanced civilizations well we had crystal technology have you heard of edgar, edgar casey i'm sorry <laughs> you were breaking up have i heard about what edgar casey oh yes of course okay uh, and do you remember what he said are you familiar with his talk about Atlantis? Yes. Do you remember what he said happened to Atlantis? He said that uh, it basically, uh, they, they destroyed itself and it, it it's, you know, sank. Right, but do you remember how? Uh, it was, it was in a very advanced technology and I, I do recall uh, crystals being involved. Yes, exactly. 
It was crystal technology. Okay. It was crystal technology. He said that Atlantis overcharged their crystals and they, they exploded. Um, we have crystal technology now. You can Google, excuse me, you can Google, uh, they've taken crystals and they've embedded movies into them and then they've been able to extract them. Crystals vibrate at their own frequency. Not technically solid. They vibrate at their own frequency. Um, and what happens is you, um, you embed these images and, and this technology that we know about this right now is very base level. It's very base level. We don't exactly have like, remember, have you ever seen a picture of like what a five megabyte computer looked like in the sixties? Yeah. Yeah. It's like the yeah. same thing. That's where we're at with computer, with crystal technology. But basically, crystals are going to take over for um, they're going to take over for memory sticks, and they're going to take over for hard drives. That's the future, because there's two things in this world that we know of that has almost unlimited storage power. One of them is crystals. The other is DNA embedding. Are you familiar with DNA embedding? Yes. Right. So I write about that in one of my books. That's how they figure something out. But basically, you can take a, 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 all of human knowledge and embed it into a strand of DNA. And then you could extract it where you so inclined to. Those are the two things that are going to be coming up that they've had. That's how, that's how you carry messages. Right? Right. So that's what they would do. So... Yeah, Edgar Casey was a genius, but basically, um, <clears throat> crystal technology was one of them. They show it to you. Even they show it. They throw it right in your face. So the elites have something called revelation of the method. Revelation of the method means that they can do whatever they want to us as long as we agree to it. And by oh agree yes, to, yes, I know what you're talking okay, about now. And 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 by agree to it, what that means is they just have to show it to us. And if we don't fight back, then they're like, oh, you did it for yourself. They live by this. This is their law. I don't know why it's their law, but it is. If you ever listened to David Wilcock before on Gaia, he talks about this. Right. Um, basically, they, they have to do this. And they showed it to you in Superman, the Crystal Cave. Right. Yeah, the Crystal Caves. Um, yeah, there's um, so many uh, anomalies about crystals or quartz crystals and especially areas that have a uh, dense, uh, I guess, collection of quartz underground. There's a lot of anomalies that occur around it. So uh, th I think that that's a fascinating area uh, for technology to be, you know, to be headed towards, to be looking into that. Um, right. Now we got uh, a little under 30 minutes left. What else uh, could we tell the audience about your books and, and astrotheology in general that could uh, kind of get them on a start uh, doing their own research besides what we've already mentioned? Um, you know, where else are some good places to look in the Bible for some uh, decoded messages? Okay, so that's fine. Um, so like I said, you're familiar with the book of Job, right? Yes. Okay, so Job was basically this guy who was given all this stuff and he was doing very well for himself. He was a God-loving man. And then Satan 
comes to him and says, I bet if he lost everything, he would denounce you. So they make a bet. And then one by one, Job's things start going away. And he starts wailing. He never decries, denies God, but he starts wailing. Then eventually God responds to him. Okay. So what I'm going to read to you is God's response to him. You ready? Oh, yeah. Okay. So the first three things are very obvious, but I'm going to explain them anyway. In Job 38, 32, he says, can you leave? And again, I'm going to go line by line through this. This is God's entire response. I'm not cherry picking something. I'm not, I'm not reading them out of context. I'm literally going line for line, okay? All right. Sure. So Job says, can you lead forth the Maseroth? I mean, not Job. God says, can you lead forth the Maseroth? That's his first thing to Job. Now, the Maseroth is literally the Zodiac. You can, you can translate that itself. Over time, Maseroth becomes Mazalot. And then today in Judaism, it's Mazel Tov, which means good fortune from the stars. So the Lord's challenge to Job. He says, can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? Can you loosen Orion's belt? Those two are pretty obvious, right? Can you bring forth the constellation in their seasons or lead out the bears with its cubs? The constellations are the zodiac above. The bear and its cubs are Ursa Major, the Great Bear, and Ursa Minor, part of the Big Dipper. Who can tip over the water jars of heavens? That's Aquarius. Do you hunt the prey for the lioness and satisfy the hunger of the lions? That's Leo. Who provides food for the raven? That's the constellation Corvus, which means raven and borders Virgo. Do you watch where the doe bears her fawn? That's Mariga, M-R-I-G-A, which means deer and is in Orion. Who let the wild donkey go free? That's Acellus borealis, which means doctor, do, donkey, and it's located in Cancer. Will the wild ox consent to serve you? That's Taurus. The wings of the ostrich flap joyfully. That's Lambda Achille, or Al-Thalimain, which means two ostriches in Arabic. Do you give the horse its strength? It laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. It does not shy away from the sword. The quiver rattles against its side, along with the flashing spear and lance. That's Sagittarius with the bow and arrow. Does the eagle soar at your command and build its nest on high? That's Aquila, which is the Latin name for eagle, and its constellation's just a couple degrees above the celestial equator. Can you pull a Vithian with a fish hook? That's Pisces. So that's, that's God's challenge to Job. Do you see how every single line is just veiled astrology? Right. Yeah, when you read it out, it's very obvious. Here's another one. Revelations 4, 7. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Okay? So what I didn't explain to you before is that Scorpio is the, it's the creature that crawls on its belly. It's the lowest form of life because it's on its belly on the floor. Okay. It's highest evolved form is the eagle. And then from there, it becomes the phoenix. But the eagle is its highest evolved form. So if you read it like this, you have the first living creature was like a lion. That's Leo. The second was like an ox. That's Taurus. The third had a face like a man. That's Aquarius. That's the man sign. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. That's Scorpio. All four of them, if you plot them on the Zodiac wheel, they make a cross or they make an X. And not only that, but those are the four fixed signs in the Zodiac. 
One of the most fascinating uh, books to me, even growing up as a kid, was the book of Revelation. Uh, I'm wondering if you could, uh, if there's any profound decodings that you could give us from the book of Revelation, uh, because it is, uh, it, it does seem to be, you know, being mentioned a lot these days. The words apocalypse comes up a lot these days. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that? I'm going to give you one right now. Hold on one second. You familiar with the woman and the dragon? Yes. Okay. Good. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. <laughs> then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. Okay. So the great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun. That's Virgo. That's the sun in Virgo. With the moon under her feet. If the sun's in Virgo, the moon is directly under her. Right? Right. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous, in heaven, an enormous red dragon. Dragon, the constellation Draco, which is the dragon. Okay? Its tail starts in Aries. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky. Its tail starts in Aries and goes all the way down to Capricorn. That's four signs. That's a third of the zodiac. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky. You see how that works? Yes. Very I actually... Are you familiar with the Leak Project? Yes. Yeah, I watch Leak Project often. Okay. I've been on it four times. And um, I did the Book of Enoch on it. I've done the Book of Revelation on it. So you should check that out. If you're interested, just search my name in YouTube and just type in Mike now, Yeah, the Book of, e of Enoch is, a is another uh, very fascinating one uh, when it comes to that. But I could definitely do the Book of Enoch. I've already, I've already done it. I've already yeah. done it. So um, I will do it for you, though. Maybe we can go through the whole thing. Oh, yeah. But here's, here's where it gets good. So I've just given you guys a ton of examples of astrology in the Bible, right? Crystal clear in my mind, right? Yes, there, there was plenty of examples. And I can, you know, I can definitely see the correlations. And it's a very compelling argument uh, that it is. It's just it's, it's an astrology uh, guide. Um, although, you know, I, I do have... Uh, just this gut feeling that is, there's also this, um, this other aspect to it, uh, a more occult aspect with other cryptic messages, but uh, that's just me. I'm no Bible scholar, and I don't, uh, you know, well, I don't there study is. This. My, 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 uh, my forte is astrotheology. That's what I do. That's what I write about. That's what I talk about. But the Bible, it's three things. It's the tarot, okay? It's the tarot. It's alchemy. And it's astrotheology. That's the three basic things behind the Bible. And I suggest your listeners listen to, not to turn them away from me, but if they want to learn more about this kind of stuff, listen to Jordan Maxwell, because he really goes into this. I made the, I made, a, I, I made, would you say like a somewhat compelling argument? 
Yes, definitely. Um, I, you know, and I, I do encourage people uh, – that would uh, like to find out more information to check out your books. And if you could, you said you have a six book deal, right? Um, yeah. What is going to be, uh, what are going to be the other books going to be, you know, about? So the main plot of book one is MK ultra. The main plot of book two is the capstones. The main plot of book three is a communication device and the pyramids and the Sphinx. Book four is about a virus that causes people to kill themselves and they have to figure out how to stop it. Book five is about uh, Antarctica. And it's also about the lost library of Alexandria. And book six is about um, Luciferianism, Satanism, what it truly is. But I wanted to read this for you real quick. You were sure. asking who, who keeps this information hidden from us? Yes. Are you familiar with the Roman Catholic catechisms? Yes. Catechism 2116. All forms of divination are to be rejected recourse to Satan or demons. Conjuring up the dead or other practices falsely supposed to unveil the future. Consulting horoscopes, astrology, palm reading, interpretation of omens and lots, the phenomena of clairvoyance and recourse to mediums, all conceal a desire for power over time, history, and in the last analysis of the human beings, as well as a wish to conciliate hidden powers. They contradict the honor, respect, and loving fear that we owe to God alone. It's right there. The Catholic Church is saying, they're telling you astrology is bullshit. Uh, now, all that being said, would you say that um, when it comes to a spiritual look at all of this, that there is a, a source of all and that there are possibly etheric beings that some may have called gods, some may have called angels that have interacted with humans and possibly um, shared information and uh, been with humans since the beginning of history. I believe you can contact them directly when you do things like DMT or shrooms or you do hallucinogens. I believe you can contact them directly. Very interesting. Um, now, could you uh, maybe expand on that a little bit? Uh, you know, I know you through. I've heard plenty of people talking about you know through DMT and mushrooms. They've had divine experience where they, they they've contacted the the gods. But do you think that these were actual? Um, you know, besides using DMT and these other uh, substances, that the ancients had open communication with some of these entities. I think that's what the pyramids were initially. You see them all over the world. Why? I believe it was the pyramids. And also, as far as like DMT goes and other hallucinogens, how have so many people seen those elves? You familiar? You heard about the elves, the gnomes? The machine elves, yes. The machine elves. How have so many people see the same thing on a, on a biochemical trip? It, it opens up your pineal gland. 
Now, the Buddhist monks do it, and sometimes they get a small glimpse. People here cheat it with ayahuasca, this, that, and the other thing. I would never do ayahuasca. I heard it's an amazing trip, but I also heard that you're basically puking the whole time, and that doesn't sound fun for me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so that's okay. not for me. But, um, yeah, no, I, um, I, 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 I do believe it. I do believe we're, if God is infinite and God is everything, then you can't be separate from him. It's just an illusion. Quantum physics, space-time. Have you heard of entanglement? Yes. One molecule on the other side of the known universe can react with the molecule here at the exact split second. Space and time is an illusion. And as you learn more, you begin... The best way I can explain it is when you really research the kind of stuff that I do, when you really go into it and you listen to those two guys that I told you about before, the thing that happens is you start to feel like your dreams are more real than your reality. I don't know if you've ever felt that before. I have, yes. I have at times. It's almost like these laws that we're bound to on Earth are so fragile. I don't know how else to explain it. But I felt dreams have been more real than this. Um, I'm just interested in the information. To be honest, I just want to share it with as many people as I can. Definitely. And it is fascinating information. And uh, before you head out for the night, if uh, people are interested in finding out more about you and your books, uh, getting a copy, what is the best way that they can do so? So go to Amazon.com, and you can go to Amazon.com in any country because my books are, are sold worldwide. Uh, Amazon.com, your local one, you can buy them. You can Google me. All, all my lectures should be online. Uh, I'm on Twitter at um, – it's at Real Mr. Dank, but you could just look my name up, Micah Dank. And uh, I'm on Facebook as Micah D, M-I-C-A-H space D-E-E. So yeah. that's basically where you can find me and all my glory. Awesome. Micah, thank you so much. That was truly fascinating information. I'd, I'd like to do another episode, get a little deeper into it sometime soon. Um, yeah. and, and you got my information. You got my contact information. I'll do some more Revelation. I'll do some more Enoch. Yeah, man, that sounds great. You know what? I might be able to give you a quick thing on Enoch. Hold on one sec. Sure. Yeah, here we go. I do have it. Chapter 8, 8.2. They openly tell you this. Simjaza taught enchantments. Armoros, the resolving of enchantments. Baraquil, Baraquil, taught astrology. Cocobel, the constellations. Ezekiel, the knowledge of the clouds. Sariel, the course of the moon. And if you notice, all of them end in L. It's a common ending. Michael, Raphael, Rachel, Michelle. I can go on. Right. L was the name of God. In the Egyptian times, the gods were Isis, Ra, and L. And you put them together, you get Israel. Yeah, that is a good one. Yep. Very, very good one to end on. Well, Micah, thank you so much again, and lo I'm looking forward to the next one. And until, until next time, everyone have an excellent night.